0: Hi everyone, welcome to this week's message, I hope you're doing well today. This is the first message in our December series, and the title of this week's message is Jesus the God with us. Did you know that Jesus is the God that you can call on and he will answer? That's been my experience, and that's been the experience of countless millions of people over the past 2,000 years, that he's right there. You know, in this time of COVID and chaos, people are asking the question, where is God? But Jesus says to you, I'm right here. I've always been here. I always will be here. He is God with us. God isn't to be found just somewhere out there through a telescope. He's right here with us. He's right here with you in that room. If you only just acknowledged him and made room for him, things would change for you. And I want to tell you this. He was God in all eternity past. And became a human being. He incarnated, that means he became human. He became one of us and lived a life as a human being. It says in Colossians that he was pleased to dwell as a human being. He was pleased. And in Philippians, it says that he laid aside that which was in heaven. He, he came down to earth. He made himself of no reputation and became in the image and likeness of a human being and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, who? what kind of God is this that we serve? But this is the God that has been revealed to us in the scripture and by the spirit. We are going to take some time today to really think about and meditate on these things that Jesus was both fully man and fully God. We're also going to be looking at the Trinitarian nature of God, That God is not like us. He's not one being and one person like we are. You know, I am Sam, I'm a human being. But God, who is He? He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what is He? He is one God. It's a mystery, but it's a mystery we see particularly throughout the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at this book of the Bible. It's the first book of the New Testament, and it teaches us something so significant about who this God is and how he walks with us and how he's with us. Like I said, these things are a mystery. That means we won't always be able to fully grasp and understand every single part of it, but it doesn't mean it's not true. You know, I don't understand everything about advanced science and physics and all these kind of lofty things, but it doesn't mean they're not true. And it's the same with God. But as we take time to learn, take time to meditate on what the scripture has revealed to us, then those layers of appreciation and understanding and greater levels of awe and worship spring forth from us. It's always a great benefit to us to really be learning about the nature of God, the character of God and who Jesus is as the God with us. And so let's look through the Gospel of Matthew. We're not gonna read every single chapter. What I wanna take you through the highlight and right in chapter one, we are presented with Jesus, his family tree, but then this is about his birth and about who he is. So reading from chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and she gave him the name Jesus. You see, you can already see this incredible dynamic between the father, the father God, the Holy Spirit who overshadowed and conceived Jesus, the son in the womb of Mary. You know, And you will see this incredible dynamic between these three persons of the Trinity throughout the Gospel of Matthew. But really the focus in Matthew chapter one, and of course throughout the whole of Matthew, is who is Jesus? And we learn three important names or titles for him. They are Jesus, the Messiah, and Emmanuel. Jesus means salvation. Jesus means God is salvation. It's like the Hebrew name Joshua, Yeshua. And of course, Joshua in the book of Joshua was the one who actually led the children of Israel from the desert place out into the promised land. Likewise, Jesus takes us out of our sin and brings us into the promised land, which is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. So significant that he was named Jesus. It wasn't a coincidence. It wasn't a name they picked out of a book. This was what he needed to be called because that's what God had commanded. And then, of course, we see that he is Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah. And of course, in the Greek, the equivalent is Christ. So Christ and Messiah mean the same thing. And it means this, that he is the king, that he is the anointed one of God to initiate and usher in the kingdom reign Of Almighty God on the earth that's who he is he's the anointed one that's what it literally means one anointed by God and then of course Emmanuel God with us and that comes from the Isaiah chapter 7 prophecy in fact it's quoted right here directly in Matthew chapter 1 and it's really about the the supernatural sign that would accompany the birth of Messiah and of course the book of Isaiah has so many incredible prophecies about the Messiah So it's a supernatural sign to Israel, to the people of God, to the world that he's come. What's the meaning of it? What's the meaning of Emmanuel, this Hebrew word? It means God with us. It means he's with us. And of course, that's what he came to do. He came to be with us. He came to walk amongst us. Of course, if you go through the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9 has this incredible prophecy about this son who would be born. And it says... For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. So you can see this isn't just a human being, This is someone who will reign forever and is gonna be called God with us. He's gonna be called mighty God. So if you need someone to learn from, he is a wonderful counselor. If you've run out of strength, he's a mighty God. If you need love, he's an everlasting father. If you're feeling afraid, he's your prince of peace. And if you're feeling lonely, he's the God with us. This is who he is. This is who the Bible said he would be. And now he's come. You see that this little baby, is gonna be this incredible Messiah. And yet, we don't know too much about his early life. We know little bits and pieces from this point on. Of course, he's born. And of course, the shepherds visit, the angels visit. Prophets prophesy over him. And eventually, the Magi deliver gifts to him. They're, of course, who we call the wise men. And really, all of these events, Jesus going to Egypt, coming back, they all have prophetic significance to pointing who he is and so it's so good to take the time to read especially the Gospel of Matthew because it it teaches so much about who he is kind of silent period of Jesus growing up comes to an abrupt end when Jesus is around the age of 30 and this is Matthew chapter 3 and this is when Jesus is baptized by his cousin John the Baptist and it says this as soon as Jesus was baptized he came up out of the water At that moment, heaven was open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So there's this years of silence. But then again, the father, the spirit and the son are presenting themselves together in this incredible, significant moment. Jesus is called the son who the father loves. This incredible uh, relationship. That, he, that is presented. And of course, this is the point when Jesus is anointed by the Spirit. Miracles begin, and Jesus begins teaching and preaching. But he's not just teaching and preaching. He's ushering in the kingdom of God. That's what he came to do. You know, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he wasn't really like the other prophets in the Old Testament. He's God in the flesh. And he always said things like this. He did. He never said things like this. This is what the Lord says, or hear the word of the Lord or the word of the Lord came to Jesus. You know, these are Old Testament phrases. With Jesus, always, I say to you, you know, the great Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five through seven, Jesus teaches with authority. You know, he looks like a mere man, but he sounds like God in the book of Exodus, speaking now to Moses and all the people from the mountain. And we're made to see that connection there. But I say to you, I'd say this. So he speaks with an authority that no one else has. He speaks as God. And when you get to Matthew 11, you know, Jesus starts to really go into more detail about this. And I love this. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, All things have been committed to me by my Father. So he's talking about the kingdom of God, the secrets of the kingdom, and all of this. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Matthew 11 verses 27 through 30. See, Jesus delivers on his promises. You know, The Bible is the only book when you read it, the author is actually there with you. A a real Christian has that peace. He knows that Jesus is in control and knows that he is the one that we can lean on, that we can be yoked. That means connected with him in a really powerful and strong way. And I just think it's amazing that Jesus says, come to me. You know, Psalm 55 verse 22, you know, David speaks as a prophet in the Psalms and says cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you but Jesus comes along and says why don't you cast your cares on me for I will sustain you it's unmistakable what he's saying I love Augustine saying he was one of the early church uh, fathers and he said this he said I've read in Plato and Cicero sayings that are wise and very beautiful but I have never read in either of them come unto me all ye that labour and are heavy laden. You see, Jesus is the God who, when you read his word, he is there. And he is not just some self-help or some psychologist or or, or whatever. He's right there. And I think sometimes we, we're too quick to go to the things of the world and the opinions of men rather than coming to the source of life. Remember, it's only the father that reveals the son and it's only the son that reveals the father. And we see this, we see this again, going right through the book of Matthew, is that the persons of the Trinity reveal each other to us, that they include us in what they are doing. This is the Christian understanding of, of God. You know, you see that with the baptism of Jesus. You see that when, when Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And how did that revelation of Jesus as the son of God come to him? It came through the spirit. Can you see, they are all working together at all times. I really love Matthew 17. This is when Jesus transfigures It means his appearance changed and he he shines like light. This is when he's with the disciples on some kind of mountain. And while they were speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice said from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. So you see, you're learning that there's this special revelation that comes. You know, Peter had got the revelation that he's the Christ, and then he really sees and it's really a picture of the transfiguration is really a picture of what happens in the believer's heart when we turn to Christ, when the lights come on, you know, and actually the transfiguration was the story that really um, led me to the Lord. Actually, when I was about 15, I was studying the Bible for a, a school exam and it was understanding about the transfiguration and reading it. And I suddenly started feeling the presence of God come in the room And it was only a year later that I gave my life to Jesus knowing who he is because I've been illuminated to who he is and that that's how he works. But some people, they can't see their eyes have been blinded. You know, they they can't see it even when it's right in front of them. Jesus doesn't force himself. You know, Jesus doesn't use his power as God to change people's minds. You know, even when Peter was terrified and the disciples were terrified at the transfiguration. He comes to them and says, get up, do not be afraid. I love that. He's so personal. And he and he doesn't want to dominate and, and scare and intimidate. He, he, he just wants you to see who he is and let your eyes be open to him. You know, Jesus described himself as one who is humble in heart. You know, he's not someone who wants to subjugate. He's someone who opens his heart to us. And could even be hurt by us i mean what kind of god does that but that's who he is and he's so conscious of others that he would even lay his life down for us you know later on in the gospel of matthew when you get to chapter 20 jesus says the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many he came down to serve he's so different you know i've had i've had many encounters with jesus you know i've been walking with him since i was a teenager but One that happened, I believe it was this year or late last year, when we were setting up for church and I, we were praying and I I started going into this kind of mental vision, this mental picture of Jesus walking around our church building and kind of looking at people and they couldn't see him. And, um, and Jesus came to me and said, my people don't know me the way I want them to know me. And he looked grieved in that vision. He looked sad. He looked sad that, you know, maybe some of us, including myself, we too often choose to do life without him. When he's already given that invitation, come to me, oh, you are weary. We're all weary, we're all burdened. And don't we know it this year? And he says, come to me. See who I am. See who I am. See who the spirit is. See who the father is. I wanna show you. I wanna show you something you've never seen, but you can either see it, or you can't see it. And Jesus, his biggest confrontation was with those who were religious. You know, I find it so interesting when I start to talk to people about the Lord, and they say, I'm not religious. And I think, well, that's that's probably a good thing, because you have no preconceived ideas about what Jesus is or what he's about. You're just open. And that's good. The problem with the religious leaders is they weren't open. They had a fixed idea of what Jesus would be like, and that was it. And he didn't fit that description, and therefore they opposed him. Matthew from chapter 20 to about chapter 25. And Jesus, of course, arrives in Jerusalem. He presents himself on the donkey and, and comes into the city, and he teaches, and he teaches parables about the kingdom of God. And in all of these parables, Um, Jesus puts himself in the story and essentially explains that he is this son of man character and he's the king and it's unmistakable what he's saying here and oftentimes there's a confrontation or an affront to the ideals of the religious mindset and so Jesus has a lot to to, to work with because the people have been trained in a certain way to believe a certain way about God that this is how Messiah is this is how the kingdom of God is and Jesus is just really the opposite of a lot of that it's not that he is opposing everyone it's that that he the light are being opposed and the religious leaders they were set up by God to serve the people and to point people to God and yet it was only really John the Baptist It was that voice crying out in the wilderness, that true prophetic voice saying, make way, make your path straight for the coming of the Lord. He's the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we really understand what that means? That's not just his name. That's his title. That's his mission. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we understand what it means when we call him our Lord and our saviour? If we don't, we're missing the central theme of the gospel the central character if we don't we're missing the big picture i think it's amazing that jesus concludes his parables in matthew chapter 25 with this last parable about serving others and he says in matthew chapter 25 verse 40 truly i tell you whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did for me isn't that so amazing you know jesus presents himself in the story as the God and the judge of mankind. There's no question about that. But yet, what does it come down to? It comes down to that personal relationship with him. Whatever you did to other people, either good or bad, you did to me. I felt it. Do you know that Jesus feels your pain? You know when people have hurt you, he's been hurt. Did you know that? And when you hurt other people, you've hurt him. When you've blessed other people, you've blessed him. Do you understand that? How personal he is. That's who he presents himself as. I feel him in this room. Do you feel him? Do you want more of him? You did it for me. I'm right there for you, says the Lord. We're going to give an account to him who gave us life in the first place. Jesus Christ. Really, things start to really pick up from chapter 26. You see, not only have the religious leaders hardened their hearts against the Lord Jesus, as also Judas Iscariot as well. One of Jesus's 12 apostles, his closest group of followers had decided to betray Jesus and they conspire against him. And there's no reason that they should disbelieve Jesus. He's given them all the proof, all the evidence they need. They've seen it right in front of them that he can perform miracles that he is fulfilling prophecies but of course Jesus is then handed over to trial and is put into a situation with the high priest who was essentially giving him this quick trial accusing him of blasphemy and crimes and really trying to stop him trying to silence him from going any further with this this messianic vision that he has to you know because they don't like it it's not it's you know, it's not what they're about. Really, the devil is even working behind the scenes in all of this as well. It's not just the sinfulness of men, it's also the devil working through people to silence the light of the world. And of course, when Jesus is in front of the high priest, the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Messiah, the son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you from now on, you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, he has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. See Jesus' favorite title, especially in the gospel of Matthew, was the son of man. And really it's a bit of a mystery until this point as to what he really means is he saying that I'm a human being? Of course, it does mean that. In the Old Testament, son of man was a common phrase for talking about people. But the context of it is found in the book of Daniel. Daniel has a vision in chapter seven. He says, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Does that sound familiar? Coming with the clouds of heaven, he approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. That's Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. See, Jesus is saying, that son of man, who who Daniel saw in the vision... The one the nations worshipped, the one who was God in heaven, that was me. And they said, blasphemy. Of course, they're never going to get their head around it. The man standing in front of them in chains is the almighty God who's going to rule the nations. Does it make any sense in the natural? No. But Jesus was fulfilling his destiny. After this, Matthew chapter 27, he's flogged, he's beaten, he's mocked, he's spat upon. And he's crucified and he hangs on a cross for hours on this horrible day and at the third hour Jesus cried out Eli Eli Lamech Samitani which means my God my God why have you forsaken me some of those standing there heard this they said he's calling Elijah basically when Jesus had cried out again in a loud a loud voice he gave up his spirit at that moment the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. You see, he was separated from the Father on the cross so that he would never be separated. Jesus was separated from the Father when he was on the cross. He became sin. He became Our sin on the cross, and the Father couldn't look. And at that moment, when He died, when His body was torn, then that's when the veil in the temple was torn. The veil represents the division between man and God. It was in the temple, the holy place was at the back that you couldn't go to, and the people were on the other side. And it's a symbolic, prophetic moment from God. It's a supernatural moment when God tears open this veil. It shows that the way to God is open. And right there, it tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, other people raised to life as well. There was something so powerful in in that moment, in that time, that literally life and nature and everything just went boom. You know, how could it not if the one who was the son of God died on the cross? I think it's amazing that they couldn't see it but the one who could see it was a Roman soldier, a Roman centurion who was there. He said, when the centurion and all those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. That's Matthew 27, 34. So they saw it, but the religious leaders who had the scriptures couldn't. You know, if you believe, you receive, you become part of what he is all about, what he's doing. You could be the most unlikely person in the world and still come to faith in Jesus Christ. There's no one that can't know Jesus as the God with us. I always remember this story of Chris Ballaton, who's part of Bethel Church in America and when he was 15 years old he didn't know God, he didn't go to church, he'd never read the Bible, never prayed and there was this man who was breaking into their house and terrorizing him And his mother on a a very regular basis and he even kept a gun with him in his house just in case the man came back and his mother was becoming really ill with psoriasis and he just said out loud one day he said this if there is a God and you heal my mother I'll find out who you are and I'll serve you for the rest of my life then he heard an audible voice which said my name is Jesus Christ you have what you've requested so he woke the next morning and he got down to the breakfast table and his mother's psoriasis had completely disappeared. And about a week later, he heard the voice again. Okay, two times the audible voice of God came to him. And it's before he was a Christian and never afterwards, interestingly. He said, my name is Jesus Christ. You said that if I healed your mother, you would serve me. I'm waiting. Isn't that amazing? You know, some of you listening today will think, you know, if I had something really supernatural or or something happened like that, that I would definitely believe. I know I would believe then. You know, when Jesus came out of the grave and appeared to his disciples at the end of Matthew's gospel in Matthew chapter 28, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that amazing? It's the same Jesus. Some can doubt, some can believe. I don't understand the complexity of the human heart to tell you why that is the case. I just know that we can operate in doubt or we can operate in faith. They couldn't even believe he was, they couldn't even believe what happened even though he was right there in front of them. Some of us maybe sometimes don't want to believe or, 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 or don't want to accept the implications of what believing in Jesus would mean. You might be wrong, you might have to have some implications on your life. I mean, there's going to be huge implications. I always think of it like the Matrix, the film. It's the red pill or the blue pill. You can go back to being asleep or you can wake up to what's true. And he he comes to them. And those who are believing and those who are doubting, he has the same command. This is how Matthew ends. Matthew chapter 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We've commanded to go out in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and he's promised to be with us when we do that. He's promised he will be with us in a special way if we choose to serve him, love him and do what he has commanded of us, which is to make disciples of all nations. But right now, you might not even be a disciple yourself. You might not be a believer yourself. I heard a song the other day that said, I've never seen you, but I've seen enough to know that you're real. And some of you, or maybe know on some level that there must be a God That Jesus must be more than just a mere man. And you've got a seed of faith there. And what you need to do. You need to come and ask him. say show me. Just show me. Like I told you with that pastor. Pastor Chris Vallotton. 15 year old atheist. Knew nothing. And God did an incredible work. He can do anything. And like that soldier at the foot of the cross. Like Pastor Chris. Like Saul when he became Paul, someone who persecuted the church, to building the church. Do you know that God can turn you around? Do you know that he only has good for you, that he only wants, he wants to be with you, because he wants to be with you. He knows the plans he has for you. Take his hand and know that Jesus is the God with us. Thank you for listening today.